0: Welcome to Sunday Morning at Faith Assembly featuring the ministry of Senior Pastor Phil Goss. We're glad you've joined us. Now, here's Pastor Goss. We're in a series that we've entitled Ecclesia. Ecclesia means church. Jesus said this about the church in Matthew chapter 16. He said, Look, I'm going to build my church, and all the powers of hell will not conquer it. Nothing can stop it, it's going to be built. Now, we've looked at a description of the church and the body and the bride and the building. And we've looked at, um, you know, the doctrine of the church, what we believe and what's important. So there's one other element of the church that I want us to look at. Since we are the church, we're going to talk about the disciples of the church. What does a disciple look like? What does someone who says, I'm a part of the church, I am the church— What does that mean? What do you look like? Now, we've been using this little phrase all throughout it says, what you believe determines how you behave. So, since I am a believer, what does a believer look like? What does a disciple look like? A disciple is someone who believes and helps spread the doctrine of the one they're following. So these aren't things you do to be saved, but because you are saved, because you do believe, here's what you believe. Here's how you act because of that. James wrote in James chapter 2, he said, look, you say you have faith for you believe that there's one God. You believe right. You have all the doctrine in line. Well, good. Good for you. Even the demons believe this, and they tremble in terror. How foolish! Can't you see that faith without good deeds is useless? It's one thing to say you believe something. It's another thing to behave like it. And if you believe, you behave. Well, I really believe this. Then your behavior should reflect that, correct? So we're going to talk this morning about what does a disciple look like? What does it mean when I call myself, hey, I'm the church. I'm a disciple. I'm a follower of Christ. Then your life should back that up. Your heart should back that up. First of all, disciples have the right convictions. Convictions. This is what I believe. I'm going to stand firm in that, and I'm not going to change it. John chapter 8, verse 31, Jesus said to the people who believed in him, you're truly my disciples and If you remain faithful to my teachings, if you keep being obedient to what I have told you to do, you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. All throughout the New Testament, Paul especially, when he writes, he writes to people that he's concerned about and that he cares about because he doesn't want them wandering away from. Here's the truth. Let your behavior reflect that. He writes to the church at Corinth in 2 Corinthians chapter 11. He says, I fear that somehow your pure and undivided devotion to Christ will be corrupted, just as Eve was deceived by the cunning ways of the serpent. You happily put up with whatever anyone tells you, even if they preach a different Jesus than the one we preached, or a different kind of spirit than the one you received, or a different kind of gospel than the one you believed. You have to remain faithful to what God says. Now, here's what a conviction is, just so we understand it. A conviction is this. It's an unshakable belief Notice, unshakable, it doesn't change. It isn't going to be swayed by what the culture is saying or by what other people are saying. It's an unshakable belief in something without any need for proof or evidence. That's where faith comes in, isn't it? I choose to believe God's Word And what God says, no matter what the culture around me is saying, no matter what other people are saying, we believe we don't have to have the proof. We know it's true because God's word says it's true. And I accept that as a fact, and I am convinced. And so you and I, as disciples, we live with these convictions. This is right. This is wrong. And we live in a day and time where the morality around us is changing by the moment but our convictions remain true, don't they? Ephesians chapter 4, verse 17. With the Lord's authority, I say this, live no longer as the Gentiles do, for they are hopelessly confused. In other words, Gentiles in this case, unbelievers. They're hopelessly confused. Their minds are full of darkness they wander from the life God gives because they've closed their minds and hardened their hearts against Him. They have no sense of shame. They live for lustful pleasure and eagerly practice every kind of impurity. But that isn't what you learned about Christ. Did you get that? That isn't what you've learned about Christ. Christ. And since you have heard about Jesus and have learned the truth comes from him, throw off your old sinful nature and your former way of life, which is corrupted by lust and deception, and instead let the Spirit renew your thoughts, here's a great word, your attitudes. Some of you just need a little attitude change now and then, don't you? Yeah. Put on your new nature, created to be like God, truly righteous and holy. That word holy is a great word because it basically means separate. God's holy because he's separate from sin. He, he, they can't meet. They can't be together. And he separates himself from that. You and I are holy because we separate ourselves unto God to live for him. We're not like everybody else. Now, sometimes we have a hard time when people put us aside and say, well, you're different. And yet at the same time, that very difference describes who we are as a disciple. I am a disciple of Christ, and I have convictions that I live by. And that puts me in a different place than most of the rest of the world. So that's what a disciple, the convictions of this is what's right, and I believe that by faith. Secondly, disciples have the right conduct. Because of my convictions, I then act like it. Well, don't judge me. Well, <laughs> I'm not going to judge you in saying you're going to go to hell, but I am going to judge you to say a Christian doesn't live like that. A disciple doesn't act like that. God's Word says this is how you behave, this is how you should live, then you and I should live that way. And that means that the world is watching us as a Christian to see if what we say matches up with how we behave. You see, you don't get to be one thing at church on Sunday morning and somebody different on Monday morning at work. You don't get to be one thing when you come here and another thing when you go home. You and I have the right conduct that keeps us in line with what God's Word says and what our convictions are. And so how we behave is, is important. You know, the b- verse in James that we read it first, well, you know, you say you believe, well, great, but you know what? There's even more to it. Your faith without your works and how you live is critical to the life of faith and to the life of God. Galatians 5.22 Here's a simple definition. Here's a how do I know my conduct's right? Well, when the Holy Spirit lives within you, and we talked last week that he does, then he produces this kind of fruit in our lives. So let me just ask you a very simple question. These things that I'm going to list here in just a moment, are they a part of your life on a daily basis? You ready? Love, joy, peace, patience, Kindness. You want me to stop now? Goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. No law against these things. That's how you and I should be behaving. That's our actions. That's our attitudes. That's the way we handle life. Verse 24. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have nailed the passions and desires of their sinful nature to his cross, and crucified him there. In other words, they've said no to self, to that nature that wants to have its own way, that doesn't want to be gentle, that doesn't want to care about others. Since we're living by the Spirit, let us follow the Spirit's leading in every part of our life. That's our conduct. That's how we live. Well, pastor, that's kind of gentle. If I do that, people will walk all over you. No, people may try to, but you see, there is something within me that's greater than whatever people do to me, and I can still be faithful to God. Ephesians 4.24, put on your new nature, created to be like God, truly righteous and holy. See, when I come to Christ, I don't just add Jesus to my life. When I come to Christ, he is my life. It's not just something else that's a part of me. Well, I'm a Christian, a follower, but I'm also this person, I'm a mother, I'm a father. You know, I'm an employee, I'm an employer, I'm, I'm one of these people, and I'm this, and I'm this, and I'm that. No, I'm a Christian. And that defines me and defines every area of my life. Every part about me, that's what it is. I trade my life, I lose my life to follow Him and I become like him. And that means, as we've read, I have to take this old nature within me that wants to have its own way, that is very selfish, that is very self-centered, and it wants to do what it wants to do, and it lives for pleasure, and it lives for self, and it lives just to enjoy, and it lives for the easy way of life. And I have to put that aside and say no to it, and yes to God. That's what a disciple does. So, I have these convictions that I live by, and those convictions follow through into my conduct and cause me to live a life that reflects the love, the joy, the peace, the goodness of God. Thirdly, disciples connect with others in the church. Well, you know, Pastor, I, I, can, I can be a Christian and not go to church. Well, I won't argue. You can, but you probably won't. And besides, if you're a part of a body, which we've already said we are, then you need to be a part of that body, don't you? If you're part of a building that God is building together, then you need to be a part of that, don't you? And so I need to understand I need the church. Now, Jesus said, I'm going to build my church, and no one's going to stop it. And yet, we live in a place where the church is criticized. The church is put down. They want to pull up, oh, see, that's what the church did. So that's what all churches are like. And the enemy will do everything he can to destroy the church. Well, I'm a part of the church. You're a part of the church. And we're a part together. And God's going to build that church. Nothing's going to stop it. And so I need to connect with others. I need other people in my life because I don't live for me, I live for God. And God has demonstrated his love for the world by sending his son. He cares about people. Therefore, if God cares about people, I should care about people, right? What we're saying is, I don't want to be a part of the church because I don't like those people there. They're all hypocrites. And just in case you've ever said that, the people that say that are usually the biggest hypocrites around. And so I come to that place where I understand this is what God wants me to do. I need to be around people. John chapter 13, verse 34, I'm giving you a new commandment. Love each other just as I have loved you. You should love each other. Your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples. Now, if you're going to love people, you have to be with people, don't you? So that means I need to put myself in a place where I have to love you. Oh, Boy, that's hard, isn't it? And love makes the choice to care about others more than self. Love makes the choice to sacrifice self for the benefit of others. And so I will connect with others in the body of Christ to love them and to care for them just as God loves me and cares for me. 1 John chapter 3. Those who have been born into God's family do not make a practice of sinning because God's life is in them. You and I have been born into that family. So they can't keep on sinning because they are children of God. Now that doesn't mean you become perfect. Perfect. But what it does mean is, as you continue your walk with God, you should be sinning less and less. When you came to Christ, your whole life was a life of sin. You did everything for you. You did whatever you wanted to do. You didn't care about other people. You didn't care about nothing, just yourself. When you come to Christ, now that stops and suddenly your behavior changes, doesn't it? And God helps you grow and keeps changing you and shaping you into his image. And you become more and more like him. It's a progression that you will have going on for the rest of your life. So now we can tell who are the children of God and who are the children of the devil. Anyone who does not live righteously, doing what's right, and does not love other believers does not belong to God. Boy, that's a big statement, right? Two things. I got to live right, according to God. <laughs> and I have to love you. You know, maybe you want to turn to the prayer. I got to love you. I, I, I just got to. And not, not just a few, all. And so as a disciple... I connect with others that are a part of the body of Christ, the church. And I love them. But pastor, they're some of the meanest people in the world. Look in the mirror. Because they're human. Well, they said this and did this. They're human. Well, they don't act very loving. They're human. And so am I. And in the middle of our inconsistencies and in the middle of our pains and our hurts and our fears, we still love one another. Because love continues to love no matter what. God loves us no matter what. And we keep loving. And as we keep loving, the world looks at the church the body of Christ, you and I, and says, wow, how do you do that? Well, I do that because Jesus Christ lives in me and I'm his disciple, his follower. Disciples make a contribution. So in other words, I have a job to do. I have a work to do. Jesus had his disciples. He gave them a job description, didn't he? He said, here's what I want you to go do. Here's how I want you to live, and here's what I want you to do. You don't come to church just to take up space. You don't come to church, well, I did my obligation for the week. You don't come to church saying, well, okay, I'm there, and I'll kind of love the people, and I'll do the best I can. I don't know that I'll make it, but I'll love you no matter what. And then you just go off. No, it demands a greater commitment, doesn't it? You are willing to make a contribution to the body of Christ to help other people become better Christians. Great news. If you're a Christian, you have something to offer somebody else that no one else can give. Let me say it again. You have something to offer somebody else that no one else can give. Vision four. These are the gifts... Christ gave the church, the apostles, the prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers. All I can say is, I'm sorry. Their responsibility, what's my job description? My job description is to equip God's people to do His work and to build up the church, the body of Christ. To build up you. Equip God's people to do His work. It's work to build up other people, other Christians. How long do I do that? This will continue until we all come to such unity in our faith. That might take a little while, right? And knowledge of God's Son that we will be mature in the Lord. That will take a long time. Measuring up to the full and complete standard of Christ. I want to become more and more like Christ. I want to live according to the standard that he establishes for my life. Then we will no longer be immature like children. Boy, he knows how to talk to us, doesn't he? We want our own way, don't we? Well, I don't like sitting here. Well, I don't like the way this is done. I don't like the way this is sung. I don't like this. I don't like this. I don't like that. That's called immaturity. Well, I don't think you should do that. That's called immaturity. We won't be tossed and blown about by every wind of new teaching. Well, I read this. I think this is really good. I think this should be the emphasis. I think this is what we're about. I think we need to go over here. I think we need to get involved in that. Uh, disciples. We will not be influenced when people try to trick us with lies so clever. They sound like the truth. Because I live by convictions. I live by the truth. Instead, we will speak the truth in love, growing in every way more and more like Christ, who is the head of his body, the church. He makes the whole body fit perfectly together as each part does its own special work. It helps the other parts to grow so that the whole body is healthy, growing, and full of love. You want a description of what the church should look like, physical being in the world today? It should be healthy, growing, Full of love. But you see, that old nature within us doesn't want to do this, does it? It doesn't want to commit itself. It doesn't want to have to care for others. It wants to just take care of self. It doesn't want to be inconvenienced. It doesn't want to work. It just wants to do what it wants. And so you and I have to say, you know what, I'm a disciple of Christ. That means God has called me to be a part of his body, the church. And I am convinced that this is what's right and I will live by these convictions that are there. And I will do everything I can to represent Christ well. And I will be a part of a body and I will give myself to others so that we Can grow up. Why is the church sometimes immature? Because we don't want to give of ourselves to help others. You're still with me, right? Okay, yeah. We just want our way. Well, I think it's this way. I think, no, no, it's not that way. So that's what we do. Then, disciples influence others towards Jesus Christ. Now, I know I just messed some of you up with an I-word. Uh, if you've got to have a C-word, you can underline Christ. I just did it on purpose to kind of move you and kind of get you out of your routine. So, what do I do? I live a life so that as I live it and other people watch and I give of myself to do what I can do, I get to have an influence in other people's lives to help them to become more like Jesus Christ. The greatest thing I can do with my life is help others know about Jesus Christ. The greatest thing you'll ever do with your life is have an influence for Christ on others. Luke chapter 19, the Son of Man came to seek and to save those who are lost. Why did Jesus Christ come to this earth? To seek those who are far away from him, who were lost. What does Jesus promise to us? You'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you will be my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere throughout Jerusalem and throughout Judea, Samaria, the ends of the earth. In other words, once you accept me, I now want you to talk to others about me. I don't want you to buttonhole them into a corner. I don't want you to shout at them. I don't want you to be nasty with them. I want you to be able to give an answer for what you believe, but I want you to do it with a peaceable, kind, pure manner. And don't think for a moment about doing that until your life is going to back it up because they're going to watch you. But I expect you, I want you to use your life to have an influence on others to bring them a little closer to me. 1 Corinthians 10.32 Don't give offense to the Jews or Gentiles or the church of God. I, too, try to please everyone in everything I do. Now, I just lost a bunch of you right there, didn't I? You want me to please everybody? I want you to try. You're not trying to please them because you're insecure and you've got this insecurity that says, oh, I want you to like me. you got to like me, you got to like me, and I'll do everything I can to get you to like me. I'm not talking about that. I'm just talking about, look, I want to please you because I want you to see Christ in me. I don't just do what's best for me. I do what's best for others so that many may be saved. I set aside my preferences. I set aside the way I think things should be to do what I can to reach others. Because reaching others is more important than me having my way. So we do everything we can to influence people toward Jesus Christ. That's what a disciple does. One more thing. Disciples have confidence. They have confidence. Now, I'll read you some verses, but let me just, when I say confidence, I'm going to talk about two different ways we have confidence. One of them is this. I am confident that God's way is the right way and no one will ever tell me anything different. I am confident. Well, who do you think you are saying your way is better? Well, I think I'm a Christian and I have these convictions. I'm not stubborn. It's not about preferences, it's not about the things I think the way should be. I have a person who am convinced that Jesus, I'm a sinner and that the only way for me to be saved is through Jesus Christ and the Spirit of God lives in me and I love people just like God does and I'm going to do everything I can to reach people. And I'm confident that I'm right. Because we live in a day and time where they're telling us, and it's going to get worse, just let me tell you that, it, that they're saying, look, you don't have any right to go to somebody and try to pledge your beliefs on them. Well, I'm sorry, but I do. I have a mandate from God that I'm to do everything I can to help others know about Jesus Christ. I'm not going to be offensive. I'm not going to be obnoxious. I'm not going to walk up to people and point a finger in their nose. I'm going to lovingly, kindly live before them a life that they will recognize as different than the rest. Romans 5.2 Because of our faith, Christ has brought us into this place of undeserved privilege where we now stand, and we confidently and joyfully look forward to sharing God's glory. Here's the second confidence. I am confident that one day I'm going to stand with God in heaven. I'm confident of that. And you should be too. A disciple is confident because of my convictions because of what I know, I'm confident that when this all wraps up, I'm going to be with God forever. Hebrews 10.35, don't throw away this confident trust in the Lord. Remember the great reward it brings you. Patient endurance is what you need now so that you will continue to do God's will. Why do I do God's will? Because I'm confident that God's real. I'm confident that God's right. I'm going to keep working for him and doing what I need to do for him because I'm, I'm Convinced this is the way it be, it's going to be. You'll receive all that he's promised. For in just a little while, the coming one will come and not delay. And my righteous ones will live by faith. But I'm not going to take any pleasure in anyone who turns away and goes their own way. But we're not like those who turn away from God to their own destruction we are the faithful ones whose souls will be saved. I will be saved. 1 John four sixteen. we know how much God loves us and we have put our trust in his love. God is love and all who live in love live in God and God lives in them. And as we live in God, Our love grows more perfect. We become more and more like him. We learn how to do this. We continue to grow in that. So we'll not be afraid on the day of judgment, but we can face him with confidence because we live like Jesus here in this world. That's how we live. That's what a disciple looks like. I am confident in what I believe and what I know and that God's way is the right way. Well, what if you're wrong? I'm not. Well, what if you're wrong? Always look at it this way. If I'm wrong, what have I lost? I've lost nothing. But if you're wrong, what have you lost? You've lost everything. And I choose to believe this and live like this because I'm a disciple. And I am confident that one day I'll be with God forever. And until that day, I will do everything I can to serve him, to honor him, and to help others know him. I live for him because Jesus Christ died for me. Now, I don't know where you're at today, maybe you're not a christian and you've never taken that step and maybe that's where you need to begin this morning and that's what you need to do is to come to that place where you accept him and recognize your selfish way of living and you ask god to help you and change that and to forgive you maybe you're here today and you're a christian but you've got yourself into this place where you become judgmental you become critical You can point out more of what's wrong than what's right. And you're living for yourself and your way and what you want and what you think rather than living for God and living for others. Maybe you're here today and pastor, I wish I could be as confident of you of knowing where I stand. I'm just here to tell you this morning that God wants you to know He loves you, He cares for you, and if you've committed your life to him, you should have that confidence in him. So would you take a moment, as we do often, just between you and God. Maybe bow your head, close your eyes, whatever you need to do just to for you, and to come to that place where you say, God, here I am. I'm a disciple. If there's any area in my life that isn't living up to that term, to that description, would you help me? Would you work in my life? Lord, for the, anyone that might be here says, I'm not a disciple. I've just been kind of doing my thing. Would you help them to be willing to take that step this morning? To come to you and say, look, I'll no longer live for me. I'll live for you. Lord, we thank you this morning. We're the, the church, and I thank you this morning that you will build your church, and the gates of hell can't stop it. We thank you today for calling us, for saving us, for using us for the future that we have before us. Would you help us to live our lives? as disciples, the church, in this world today. In thy name we pray. Amen. Thank you for joining us for today's service. If you would like to talk with someone about what you've heard, please visit our website at faith.ag or call us at 239-543-2700. If you're in the Fort Myers area and don't already have a church home, You're invited to join us for Sunday morning at 8.15 and 10.45 a.m. Faith Assembly is located at 7101 Bayshore Road. Join us again next week for Sunday morning. Faith Assembly Sunday morning is a production of Faith Assembly Media Tech, North Fort Myers, Florida.